This is a message from Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef. We pray that it will encourage you in your walk of faith. If you would like to learn more about Dr. Youssef or Leading the Way, please visit ltw.org. The Supreme Court voted five to four, a very slim majority, to remove the Ten Commandments from the walls of a school in Kentucky. And the court reasoning was that the children's constitutional right had been assaulted by the presence of the Ten Commandments. The court said, in effect, that the Ten Commandments' public presence could be, and I quote, induce the school children to read, meditate upon, or perhaps venerate and obey the commandments. End of court. But I want to tell you something. The court is right. The court is right in this regard. Even the passive display of the Ten Commandments can cause people to change their behavior. So the court is right. The court is right. Even the passive display can cause people change their behavior. But I'll tell you something that is probably sad for me as a a preacher and a pastor and as a Christian, and it is this, that we can say all we want to say about the courts and what they have done to this nation, but there are very few Christians know the Ten Commandments. That's the sad part. And I want you to turn to Exodus chapter 20, and I hope that from now on that you'll read them on a regular basis, that you'll teach them to your children, that you keep teaching it to them to the point of memorizing them. Growing up in a non-Christian culture, we were forced to memorize, among other things, the Ten Commandments, because we knew that without a rudder, that without a compass, Our life is in danger. And I can tell you without any hesitation that any culture, any nation, any society that loses its moral compass, no matter how good the economy may be, that culture and that nation is on the decline. But the $10 million question for most Christians is this. If we cannot be saved by keeping the Ten Commandments, because nobody can ever perfectly keep the Ten Commandments, and in order to be saved, you have to keep them perfectly day in and day out. And if we can't do it, therefore we cannot be saved, then why are we so hot and bothered about displaying the Ten Commandments? Why do we make such an issue of the Ten Commandments? Why do we have to hold them up for our children, and for our generation, and for every subsequent generation, when eternal life is not possible through the Ten Commandments. Now, I want you to listen to what John Bunyan said. And if you're taking notes, write this down. John Bunyan said, The man who does not know the nature of the law does not know the nature of sin. And the man who does not know the nature of sin does not know the nature of the Savior. Let me repeat that. The man who does not know the nature of the law does not know the nature of sin. And the man who does not know the nature of sin does not know the nature of the Savior. What is he saying here? 
He's saying that because the Ten Commandments were given to us directly from God, they reflect His divine character. Because the Ten Commandments are given to us directly from God. And therefore, they are going to be a constant reminder for every one of us that we are lawbreakers. And that we deserve judgment. Because the Ten Commandments come directly from God. They are going to tell us that every time we break one of those commandments, that we are committing an offense against a holy and righteous God. Because the Ten Commandments come directly from God, they will remind us of God, not only as our grace giver, but as our judge. And that is why they don't like them on display. Because it's going to remind them not only being lawbreakers, but they're going to be judged by God on that dreadful day of judgment. But also that is why the Ten Commandments were engraved in stone and not on Egyptian papyrus. <laughs> and the reason they were not written on Egyptian papyrus that could be obliterated or changed, the reason they were written on stones, there is a reason for that. Because they had plenty of papyrus they could have written it on. But no, God said, these will be written on stones, not on paper. And the reason they were written on stones is because they shall endure as long as time endures. They will not be changed by the whim of man. That they cannot be modified to suit rebellious culture. That they will not be reinterpreted in order to suit some perverted people. That they will not be rewritten in order to suit the guilt of the wicked. That's why they were written on stones and not on papyrus. In fact, the Ten Commandments existed in the mind of God well before He gave them to Moses. God operated on the basis of the Ten Commandments those thousands of years before Moses ever received them on Mount Sinai. Let me give you a chapter and verse. Cain committed murder. He broke the what commandment? Cain broke the Sixth Commandment when he killed his brother. And he was condemned by God thousands of years before the commandments were given to Moses. Noah's son, Ham, despised his father. So he broke the what commandment? The fifth commandment. And he was cursed thousands of years before the commandments were given to Moses. The Sodomites were condemned as adulterers and perverts. And their city was burned to the ground because they broke the what commandment? The seventh commandment. Hundreds of years before the commandments were given to Moses. Rachel was condemned as a thief in Genesis 31. Abraham was condemned as a liar in Genesis chapter 20. Lot's wife was condemned as a covetous person in Genesis 19. All these events have taken place years before the commandments were ever uttered by the voice of God to Moses. Why? Because, listen to me please, God always deals with humanity. God always deals with His creatures. God always deals with His creation on the basis of His law, not ours. And that is why Paul can 
say to the Romans in chapter 2, verse 15, he said, from the very beginning, the law of God is written upon the hearts of men. From the very beginning of creation. In fact, God's moral law go back all the way to the Garden of Eden. When Adam and Eve became disobedient to the voice and to the word and to the command of God, they broke just about every one of the Ten Commandments. They stole what is not theirs. They coveted what was not theirs. They worshipped another God and on and on. Thus, they brought a curse not only upon themselves, but all of their descendants. And you and me. And every human being that has ever lived. Well, some of you might be saying, well, Michael, 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 let me, let, let me see if I can understand this. If Adam and Eve broke the Ten Commandments, if you say the patriarchs broke the Ten Commandments, what chance of us, or natural man, or any man, or any woman, anywhere in the world of keeping them? What chance do we have in this 21st century of keeping the commandments when all these greats have broke them? Do you want to know the answer? Have you guessed it? Okay, those of you have said zilch. (laughs) Pat yourself on the back. Zilch. No human being can ever keep them perfectly. Well, 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 Michael, then, (laughs) if that's the case, why bother with them? Why keep them at all? Why keep them at the forefront of our culture? Why keep them before the forefront of our children? Why keep them in the forefront of, of our generation? Why? Here's the answer. Because they tell us that God's standards never changed. Jesus said, I did not come to abolish the law, but I came to fulfill the law. In fact, some people argue that because the natural man cannot keep the Ten Commandments, cannot keep God's standards, cannot keep God's law. Therefore, what we need to do is to either modify them, change them, or get rid of them. And thus, our friend Ted Turner has now come up with his own ten suggestions. God bless him. And he is not alone. There are whole denominations saying, We can't keep God's standards. We can't keep God's law. And therefore, let's either get rid of them or change them or modify them to fit our culture. In fact, I used to hear some of those people in the professing churches, in the liberal church, used to say, oh, you don't understand, but we don't live under the law. We live under grace. Listen, it's Romans chapter 6, verse 14. Maybe it's the only verse they know. (laughs) Bless their hearts. We no longer live under the law, but we live under grace. And then, of course, they go on to interpret grace to mean license to sin to your heart's content. That's what they think grace is. I want to tell you something, beloved. I want you to listen to me what I'm going to tell you. All sins are going to be judged unless they come under the blood of Jesus Christ. All sins are going to be judged. But the sin of presumption has the severest of judgment. When you presume on the grace of God and you say, I can sin to my heart's content because all I'm going to get is more grace, you are presuming on the goodness of God. You're presuming on the grace of God. And God will keep speaking to you. And God will keep speaking to you. And one day he says, enough is enough. So what does Paul mean? By not living under the law, but under grace. 
Well, in order to understand this, you must understand that in the Old Testament there were three laws. Three laws. There is a civil law by which the courts in the nation of Israel will conduct themselves. Then there was a ceremonial law by which Israel worshipped God. And then there was the moral, natural law, the Ten Commandments. What about the ceremonial law? Where you shall do this and you do this and you don't do this and you don't do that. The ceremonial law had been fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ and thus it was abrogated. The rituals, they all pointed to Christ. (laughs) And now that Christ came, they are no longer necessary. Sacrifice and the sacrificial system have ceased never to be accepted by God again, ever. Don't fall in the trap of thinking that one day people are going to be offering sacrifice to God on the temple and is going to be accepted by God. That is a mockery to God because He gave the ultimate sacrifice when He put His Son on that cross. And that is the only sacrifice that is acceptable to Him now and forever. So the whole sacrificial system has been suspended by God because it's no longer needed. When you get the best, you don't go to the shadow. God is never going to be pleased by animal sacrifice. Only the blood of His Son, Jesus Christ, will bring you to His presence. Only coming and receiving and accepting that this blood was shed for you will make you clean with God. So what about the civil law? The civil law also ceased, but for a different reason. The church is not the nation. And the church that is made up of all believers throughout the world, they are ruled in their hearts by the King of Kings, the Lord Jesus Christ. And He rules His church on the basis of His moral law, the Ten Commandments. And that's what Paul is saying, that we no longer live under the law, but under grace. He was referring to the civil and ceremonial law. He's saying the civil and the ceremonial law are no longer binding upon the Christian. Why? Because we are now bound to Christ and His cross. Paul was not referring to the moral law when he was talking here. He was not referring to the Ten Commandments when he said we no longer live under the law. But the question remains. Remember the question? If we cannot perfectly keep the Ten Commandments, and therefore we cannot be saved through them, then why bother with them? Well, I want to answer the question, but not right now. I'm going to let you kind of keep waiting for it. I want you to listen first to what Jesus said about the moral law, the Ten Commandments. Here's what He said. Matthew 5:18. He said, I tell you the truth. Until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. That's what he said. In fact, Paul asked a rhetorical question in the book of Romans when it comes to the Ten Commandments. In Romans 3.31, he said, do we nullify the law by this faith? He says, not at all. Rather, we would uphold the law. But the question remains. If we cannot be saved because we cannot perfectly keep the law, then why bother with the law at all? If salvation is by grace alone, then why the Ten Commandments? I'm getting closer. I'm not going to answer it yet, but I'm getting closer. (laughs) First, you must understand that salvation was 
is and always will be by grace alone. In the Old Testament, salvation by grace alone. In the New Testament, salvation by grace alone. But what the Ten Commandments do for us today is that they not only show us that we are lawbreakers by birth, that we are lawbreakers by practice, but they will drive us to Christ. They will drive us to the only one who kept the Ten Commandments perfectly, day in and day out, all of his life, never broke one of them. And only when I know that I am a lawbreaker and nothing awaits me but the judgment of God, do I become desperate for the grace of God that can only be possible through His Son, the perfect God-man. And I come to Him in repentance and in faith, seeking His forgiveness with all of my heart. Beloved, I want to tell you something. As long as you think you're okay, you're a fine upstanding gentleman or an upstanding lady, whatever you might think, I'm fine. I've not done anything really bad, bad, bad like other people. As long as you think that way, you will never be saved. You'll never be saved. You'll never escape the eternal judgment that is coming upon every one of us. And when Christ comes into my life, when I receive His forgiveness, He will empower me to keep the Ten Commandments. His Holy Spirit will dwell in me. And no longer I have to try harder, but I will be empowered by His Holy Spirit to keep His commandments. You say, well, how come in the Old Testament they got saved by grace? I'm going to show you how. Have you got your Bibles on Exodus 20 yet? But look, what, what does he say before the commandments come? Verse 1, what does it say? I am the Lord your God who did what? Who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Did Israel have to keep the Ten Commandments? <laughs> as a condition for their deliverance from slavery, as a condition for their deliverance from bondage? Did they? No. Salvation from their bondage was by God's grace alone. Salvation from their bondage was God's gift to them. Salvation from their bondage was of God's goodness to them. Salvation from their bondage was of God's unconditional love and mercy. They could have no more received salvation from the slavery and the bondage of Egypt by keeping the Ten Commandments than you or I. In fact, if their salvation from the slavery and the bondage of Egypt was dependent on them keeping the Ten Commandments, today they will still be knee-deep in Egyptian mud. Truly. But it was after their salvation after their deliverance, that God revealed Himself to them. And He says, now that I have saved you, now that I have redeemed you, now that I have rescued you, now that I have graced you, now that I have poured my mercy into you, now that I have done for you what you could never do for yourself, therefore, live as a people who belong to me. And by the way, this is my standards. This is my character. This is my absolutes. In the same way today, 
The Ten Commandments remind the person who is without Christ that he or she is a lawbreaker, just like every one of us who know Christ today have come to that realization at some point in our lives. They know that when they, because they are lawbreakers, therefore they are under judgment because they have offended a holy God. And so only when they become so desperate in that knowledge that they are lawbreakers and that there is no hope for them, there is no way out for them other than coming to Jesus Christ and seeking His forgiveness and receiving salvation and eternal life as a gift, will they come to Christ and know that it's not their efforts, not their trying hard, Only when they come, only when I came to that day in my life and realizing that I cannot save myself, I cannot be accepted to God based on my own merits because every little bit of good thing that I've ever done is like a filthy rag in God's sight. Oh, but for the sake of Him who kept the commandments perfectly, for the sake of Him who shed His blood on Calvary, for the sake of Him who paid fully on the cross, the penalty of my breaking of the law, for the sake of Him, receive me. And I was received. And so many of you, millions of people around the world. You know, the problem in America, we have so many cultural Christians in the churches. And because people preach false gospel... They said, if you want joy, you want peace, you want prosperity, you want all the good things, you know, come to Jesus. He's going to give them to you, blah, 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 blah. Well, they come to Jesus, and then they face problems. What do they do? They back out in the world. And then they say, well, you know, you, you may not have tried really hard, but you may not have been sincere when you prayed the sinner's prayer. Just be sincere. So you sincerely try again. And true, you, you try harder, and you grit your teeth, and you pull yourself by your bootstraps, and you try. Oh, I'm sincere. I'm sincere. I really am sincere this time. So 500 times later, you've been sincere, and you've been sincerely wrong. Until an individual come to the point of realization that he or she is an offender to God, to a holy God, and recognize that there is no way of being reconciled to God other than through the shed blood of His Son. That person's heart is not regenerated, and therefore he or she is not saved. And it's after the person come to this point in his or her life they receive the grace of God because become saved by grace alone. And after that, God says, now that I have redeemed you from sin, now that you understand, now that you have been saved from the misery of guilt of, of this life, now that you've been forgiven, not only your sins, but the consequences of your sins, now you have been forgiving not only for breaking the law, now that I have rescued you from hell, Now, I'm going to empower you to keep my laws. You see, looking at the commandments, no way. No way we can keep them. Every one of us are lawbreakers. The commandments are supposed to drive us to Christ. And only when we come to Christ are we able to keep the law by the power of the Holy Spirit that lives on the inside of us. 
You know the modern-day heresy that is really sweeping across the church with tragic consequences? It's I referred to earlier already. That they think, well, you know, salvation is by grace. Therefore, I can live any which way I want. So I can live like the devil for the whole week and then go to church, not an acquaintance to the Almighty God, and think I'm fine. I'm okay. I'm going to make it. Beloved, that's a deception. That's a deception. That's a deception. I want to give you a rule of thumb. Here's a rule of thumb. The person who says this is not saved. (laughs) The person who says this, heart is not regenerated. He or she may be cultural Christian. He or she may be a member of a church. He or she may be a deacon or a priest or an elder in the church. But they are not saved from hell. Jesus said, if you love me, you keep my commandments. Some people glibly would say, you know, I just don't have to worry about all these Ten Commandments. All I need to do is just remember what Jesus said, that to love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself and be done with it. (laughs) How foolish. How foolish. They don't understand that these two commandments of loving God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and loving your neighbor as yourself, are basically the summary of the Ten Commandments. That the first one summarizes the first four commandments and the second one summarizes the next six commandments. Because if you're going to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, you're going to stop that self-worship. You're not going to take His name in vain. You will not deliberately ignore His Sabbath. And if you love your neighbor truly as you do love yourself then you will honor your parents. You are gonna, you're not going to hate people. You're not going to cheat on your spouse. You're not going to lie. You're not going to covet what belongs to somebody else. You see, that's it. Loving the Lord with all your heart and your neighbor as yourself is basically a summary of the Ten Commandments. But here's the problem. The problem we're facing in our society today is that we have judges on the benches who are committed to not reminding the nation and the culture and society at large that they are lawbreakers. They don't want to remind them of that. They don't want to remind them that they desperately need a way out. And so they order the removing of the Ten Commandments from schools, courts, public places. You know, these judges think that man is very good. The man is not sinful. Man is not depraved. He's very good. In fact, with some secular education, he'll become perfect. (laughs) I have news for you, Mr. Judges. History disproved this fallacy. Many of Hitler's henchmen had PhDs. You see, you can be a barbarian with a PhD after your name. Don't look at me. (laughs) On the other hand, God's moral law can accomplish what education could never accomplish. God's moral law keeps depravity in check. God's moral law warns people against wickedness. God's moral law discourages even the most evil person. God's moral law would drive people to Christ. 
The law itself will never save you. The law itself does not give you eternal life. The law itself does not have the power to transform your sinful nature into that of Christ's. But what the law does, it exposes sin. And you know when sin is exposed, you can do one of two things with it. You can say, I'm going to live in it. It's fine. Even if I know I'm a lawbreaker, I know I'm a sinner, I'm going to go receive the judgment of God one day. I don't care. I'm going to stay in sin. But then there's another way when sin is exposed that you can deal with. You can come to Him, the perfect, sinless, righteous, holy God, man, Jesus Christ, and say, forgive me, for I have sinned against you. I have been a lawbreaker all my life, and there is no way out other than coming to you, my Savior. You can live with your sin and ignore the consequences, or you can repent of it and receive eternal life. What would you do? Shall we pray? You've heard the term, Christians think they are perfect. In reality, it's the opposite. The Christians are the ones who recognize that they are lawbreakers and that they deserve the judgment of God. But then they recognize that God provided a way out, and that is His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Will you come to Him today? And if you've never committed your life to Jesus Christ, you've never come to Him confessing that you are and have been a lawbreaker, and you're heading for judgment. But now... You want to receive his way out. You can do that today. Jesus has been waiting for you. He's been blessing you and waiting for you. He has been protecting you and waiting for you. He has been guiding you and waiting for you. Will you say, I come to you, Lord Jesus. Forgive my sins. I repent. Receive me into your kingdom. I receive you into my life. In Jesus' name, amen.